Hello, and welcome to Educators to Educators podcast. I'm Carrie Conover, and this is episode number 65, Centering Marginalized Voices in the Classroom. Thank you so much for joining us for this very important podcast, this very important topic. This month at E2E, we are focusing on supporting all students. And this topic, talking about how we can make sure that we are centering and celebrating people of color in our classroom is very important in supporting all the students in our classroom. Speaking of supporting all the students in our classroom, we have a brand new E2E module that was just released called Supporting All Students. That module can be found within the E2E membership site, so make sure you go over there either on your desktop computer or your phone and check out that new module. We have about six different presentations in there, and that will be growing It's growing as we speak right now. We'll be adding more and more presentations to that module. If you're interested in becoming an E2E member, you can head over to educators2educators.com to learn more. Today's guest, Andrea, is a former private school classroom teacher and former diversity and inclusion coordinator. She was a classroom teacher for 12 years, and during that time, she taught first, third, and fourth grades. In addition to teaching, she co-created a mentorship program for girls of color in grades K-12. Currently, she works to support elementary school educators and administrators as they work to revamp their classroom libraries and restructure curriculum so that people of color are celebrated and centered. Andrea, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Educators to Educators podcast. I am so excited to have you here today. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I love that the world connected us. Um, I just think relationship building is so important. And we were connected by Britt Hawthorne, who presented at the E2, the first E2E virtual conference last January. She said the most amazing things about you. And I just feel honored that you're here today to talk about this really, really important topic. Today on the podcast, we are talking about how we can ensure people of color are celebrated and centered in the classroom. So um, I would love to start off by you telling us a little bit about your book that you published for The Quiet Black Girl, because I think that's a really good place for us to, to start with your child and who your childhood and who you are and why you're doing the work that you're doing today. So tell us a little bit about that book. Absolutely. So it was therapy for me, to be completely honest, but I wrote a book um, for The Quiet Black Girl, trying to find her voice in a predominantly white space. Um, just sharing my childhood experiences in school. I attended predominantly white institutions where I was either the only uh, black child in my class, the only child of color in my class, or one of a handful. And being in that uh, environment definitely impacted how I navigated the world and has impacted who I am in my adult life. But in the book, I shared just some experiences that I had while I was in elementary school and in middle school um, and how they left me kind of feeling not quite sure of myself, not quite sure how I felt in or fit in into the world um, and how I think those experiences have led me to really, really champion for diversity, equity, and inclusion work today. Um, I'm ordering the book on Amazon right now as we're talking. <laughs> I can't wait to get my hands on it and read it. 
Thank Can you, you tell me a little bit about the audience that you wrote this book for? Who is this book for? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it was a book to my younger self. So, I mean, many of the experiences took place when I was in middle school. Um, so that is who I was really trying to write for. I was trying to write for, you know, that little 10, 11, 12 year old girl who may be experiencing, um, some of the things that I experienced, um, you know, the, the racial discrimination and, and teachers not quite seeing me for all that I, that I could possibly be. Um, I wanted to write for that child. Um, but I have heard that even some adults that have read the book have saw themselves in in you know in my in me as i was as i was um going through different things that i experienced so i did write it for like that little middle schooler um but adults seem to be relating to it as well it's interesting i think this would be a good book for me to read with my own kids absolutely i mean it just gives an honest perspective to what some of their friends may be going through that they, they may not be, you know, aware of, um, or they are aware of, and it just will, you know, allow them to really, you know, practice empathy, which I think is really important. I, I totally agree. And I think that really centers us around the conversation we're going to have today about the material, the books, the curriculum that we have as teachers in our classroom. Absolutely. So as always, we talk about, I love the number three, so we are going to talk about kind of three subtopics within this topic. So the first thing we're going to talk about is we as educators must read books written by Black folks, Indigenous folks, and people of color and listen to those people when they're speaking. Absolutely. We need to, we need to second critically look at the books on our classroom shelves. And then also um, identify authors and educators of color that have created resources on that topic, which I think is is just so key. So let's start off with talking about um, how we must read books by, you know, Black folks, Indigenous folks, and people of color. Yeah, so I I start with that point because I'll tell like a little story about myself. So when I was in the classroom, so I taught first grade, third grade, and fourth grade. And when I was teaching third grade, I had to teach about colonial America. And my first two years in that grade level, I was teaching it and was really just teaching the curriculum that was handed down to me. Um, But there was something about that third year when I was in the classroom that I woke up and realized that I was only teaching from one perspective. Um, I was only teaching from the perspective of, you know, the person that came over from Europe and you know, took over the land. Um, but again, I wasn't even using that language with my third graders. And I knew that I needed to make a change, but I really wasn't quite sure how to go about doing that. So I just started reading. Um, I was trying to find articles online that were talking about um, the Native American perspective and how they had to navigate the space with the Europeans that had come over. Um, I was trying to find books on um, enslaved Africans during that particular time and how they were navigating that space. So I, myself, I had to just read things that had been created um, to really gain perspective. So I wasn't only sharing, you know, this one-sided story with my students. And what happened after you kind of had that wake up moment and that aha moment for you as an educator? Yeah, I think that I just 
I wanted to continue doing it in every single aspect of the curriculum. Um, I was not necessarily given a lot of encouragement and motivation because I wasn't the only uh, third grade teacher at that particular time. Um, and it's, I think it's hard for some people to kind of swallow when, when change needs to happen, um, especially when things have been, been happening and, and going about in one particular way. Um, but I did share what I had found um, with, with another educator, and it wasn't really op- welcome with open arms, and that was okay. Um, scary, definitely. Um, and I, and yeah. I kind of took yes. myself in thinking maybe I shouldn't have said anything. Maybe this isn't the right thing to do. Maybe I've overstepped and, you know, getting into my own head. Um, but the more that I was able to process the why um, and, and the reason why I was going this route, the reason why I felt it necessary to do this research and why I felt it necessary to bring indigenous perspective and, and, and enslaved African, the pers- that perspective into the curriculum, it's so that my students gain perspective. Um, once I realized that and I re- that was my focus, I was able to move forward. What, um, why do you think this is important for us to do at school and why is it important for us to expand our students' perspective? Why is that work so important? Well, I think that it definitely, it, it encourages empathy. I think when students are only hearing one narrative, they're thinking that that's the only narrative that matters. They're thinking that that voice is the only one that matters. Um, and then when you're part of that dominant narrative, you may not intentionally be thinking that way, but that's kind of what's ingrained in you. Um, and then the same thing that happens when there's you know, students of color in the classroom and they're constantly hearing just that one narrative, they then begin thinking that their voice doesn't matter. And I know that happened to me when I was a child. Um, and then you kind of just go back into a shell, not wanting to share your perspective, not thinking that you're worthy of sharing your voice and your ideas and your thoughts. Um, so it's just it's just not a good cycle to to continue. And and when students are really opening their minds and their hearts and their ears to learning about how different people do things and how different people think, um, it just allows them to navigate the world and then interact with other people in such an authentic and just a really beautiful way. Wow. And I think that empathy word, it's just yeah. Such an important skill to instill in our children. And it's a hard one to teach. Absolutely. Um, I think I, we were talking about both being mothers. Yes. Uh, and, and it is a hard one to teach because it's complex sometimes. Well, actually, empathy, I don't think, is really that complex, right? Mm-hmm. You, you Even it starts with the little things of you're at the grocery store with your kids and someone's rude to you. Right. And sometimes it's hard, right? Like not to... Re- to react back. And sometimes I do, I am not perfect. But one of the things I try to talk to my kids is we don't know that person's story. We don't know what happened to that person 10 minutes before they came to this grocery store. Right. Um, And so I think just starting with empathy is so brilliant. And I love what, I love that this is, this is so two-sided. Like you're helping the children who, you know, to learn empathy and learn other people. But then the student who is maybe black sitting in your classroom that is feeling like their voice isn't important, um, you're teaching them that their voice is. So by doing this work, it's like, it's working on both sides. Exactly, it it really, it's it's including all students. It's really making the classroom space feel safe and secure for every single child that's in there. I love that. 
Um, what about reading books and articles that give us perspective? Are you talking about that as a teacher reading books yourself, like adult books, or are you reading books in your classroom or do you mean both? Both. Um, but I really do believe that this work begins with the adults or the educator in the classroom. Um, we have to begin reading texts that are written from various perspectives. Because if our libraries only have, you know, the dominant culture on the shelves, we're not really going to be adding that much to the conversation. Um, we can't really, I mean, it's going to be more of us trying to convince our students that this perspective matters than us doing the work to understand that the perspective actually does matter. Um, so we have to bring in books from various people. I mean, I know growing up, I did not read books written by black women in school. Um, I mean, I guess I knew that they existed, but I was never introduced to them in high school. I was not introduced to them in middle school. Um, so that was eye-opening for me as a black woman to then begin reading works written by black women. Um, but then I'm currently reading uh, the book There, There um, by Tommy Orange, that native perspective. I was never introduced to that. I never you know, pushed myself to read that. But it's just so important for us to, to really look how, at how different people live um, and really uplift the marginalized uh, voices that are out there. You, you brought back this memory to me. I went to an all-white middle school. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember struggling with that as a middle schooler, being mm -hmm. like, I don't really like that everyone in the school is the same. Right. Um, and... Yeah. I remember my literature teacher, We I do not know what this book, the title of it, I have no idea, but I remember reading this book about a child grew, growing up in Cabrini, Cabrini Green in Chicago. Okay. Uh, and I remember feeling that empathy. I remember feeling mm. like I do not want to live in this all white world. And I ended up living in like downtown Chicago for really? many, many, many years and doing work in um, some of the most high need neighborhoods in Chicago, right. Mm -hmm. When I got out of college and it's it just, you're giving me this flashback to that book. And I think how much that really, that book really did impact me. Now we should have had more books like that in, right. in my, um, you know, middle school and high school years, but it's, you're just striking a chord with me of how much impact I think that book had on me. Exactly. And I mean, if more and more students were introduced to books like that, like you said, if it was like, throughout the entire curriculum, not just, you know, a focus when Black History Month comes along, then, you know, that's when the books yeah. are put out, but it needs to be consistently throughout um, the entire school year. Um, and we need to, you know, as educators need to consistently be reading these books too um, and, and checking out and just making sure that we are truly being inclusive with the books that we include on our shelves. What do you think as an adult, like what, and not to put you in the spot, but let's say you're a teacher listening to this right now and you're like, okay, well, I want to read a book by a black author or, you know, um, what, where should they, where should we start? Where should we start? Well, I mean, there's quite a few. Um, one that I just finished was, so you want to talk about race. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Rolua wrote that one. Uh, you could start there. Um, it is a bit intense, um, there's some hard uh, conversations and topics and content that she brings up, but I think that it's, it's important. Um, 
Another one is Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together in the Cafeteria by Beverly mm. um, Daniel Tatum. That's a great one, gaining perspective, just understanding the isolation and um, the impact that, you know, certain things that happen within the school, um, how that really imp impacts students of color. Um, another one that kind of is taking a completely different approach um, is Soft Magic by Abel Chisala. Um, it's, it's a book of like poetry and verse, but again, gaining perspective and just an understanding of, of the different voices is important. Those are great recommendations. Um, yeah. I will link to those books in our show notes so people can easily grab those if they want to get started. Awesome. Let's talk about, okay, so we're talking about you as an adult reader. Yes. Um, what about your classroom library, the shelves in your classroom library? You say to critically look at the books on your classroom shelves. Yeah, so there was one summer um, where I stayed in the classroom and I literally pulled off every book on the shelf. Because I, one, I mean, I just kind of think to take an inventory check. It can be overwhelming because yeah. I moved into a space that, you know, belonged to another teacher. And so I inherited a lot of her books. Um, oh, yeah. So, you know, <laughs> inherited junk that you exactly. get when you take over someone's classroom. Right. And so I was like, what, what really is in here? What, what books am I, you know, allowing my students to read? So in doing that, I pulled them all off the shelves. I looked through them and I separated them into genres just to kind of see what was all there. And in, do, in doing that, I realized that I really did not have many authors of color on the shelf. Um, and so I practiced that exercise. I mean, even with my children's books right now, I'm currently redoing my son's shelf. Like He transitioned to a new bedroom and I'm like, okay, he's going to get like a legit library now. Everything is going to be separated into genres, but then I'm really looking at each category and seeing if there is true representation in it. Um, that's just, I just think that's just really important. And, and then in doing that, you're asking yourself, okay, why do I have this book here? Is this really necessary for the children to read? Um, what purpose is it serving? Um, when you ask yourself those questions, when the books are physically in front of you, I think that a light bulb will go off and yeah, a change will happen. Well, and I mean, that's just, good teaching across the board is being aware of what books are on your shelves and Absolutely. being and what students can grab. Um, I think that's just good, bad, best practice. I think it's a great reminder of, um, you can have your students help you with this too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I actually think it'd be a great awareness exercise of like, okay, let's break it into genre. Who's represented. Exactly. Um, I love that as a for kids. Yeah. Yeah. And like in those last like two weeks of school, well, I taught in Chicago public schools and we were in like a 110 year old building with no air conditioning. And so mm. we went to school one year till June 23rd. And wow. Dying. Wow. And I remember we were just doing whatever we could to like survive the day. But in yeah. those last weeks of school, what a great way to have your kids help you and to, to be aware of how important this is. Exactly. You can even have kids you know, then go and search depending on their age. Okay, let's go um, search for books that I should add to my library to round this out. Yep, that's perfect. That's such a great activity. I love that. Um, 
I really, I really want to talk about this third thing because I don't want to brush over uh, critically looking at the books on your classroom shelves, but um, I really want to spend some time talking about this third part, which mm -hmm. is identifying authors and educators of color that have created resources on the content. Yes. That's what you mean by that. So I think that a lot of, um, there's a lot of resources out there for us. Um, but if we are intentionally trying to introduce our students to the perspective of people of color, when we're searching for content to help support that, we should be searching for content that is created by black and brown folks. Because um, that just encompasses the idea of amplifying. Um, there's, that's not to say that there are not white educators that are creating resources um, that you know tackle various themes um, in history, and maybe they they they're focusing on certain um, historical points of view. Like I know that there, I'm sure there's plenty of Martin Luther King lesson plans that are out there, um, which is great. However, if you are going say uh, you know a, a particular site and you're going to purchase something um, to use, please purchase something that was made by a person of color. It just allows again, their voices to be amplified because, I mean, there's a long history, right, of people of color not being seen as valuable and our voices not being seen or, you know, allowed to, to speak up about certain things. So it's important if we're celebrating and censuring people of color, that people of color are the ones that are creating the content that you're celebrating and centering. It gives a, a truly authentic perspective to that as well. I think that um, we were talking a little bit before we started recording, but um, I think taking action mm -hmm. in even just this, what may seem like a small way for you, you know, taking the extra five or 10 minutes to search for um, a person of color who's authored something on a book that you're, you know, exactly, you know, what is that? Uh, Birmingham, the Watsons go to Birmingham. Um, I'm not sure, but there's, I see stuff for that book all mm -hmm. the time, but like mm -hmm. taking the extra five or 10 minutes to go and make in and search out and that taking that action. Right. Um, we were talking about how that actually can have such a, an impactful and like ripple effect. Exactly. Rather, you know, and I think your classroom library is taking an action. Right. Exactly. It's just because like, I, I feel like the key word is like you're intentional right? When you're being intentional about celebrating and center people of color, then it has that rippling effect. When you're intentional, you're going to constantly be thinking, okay, who does this serve? Whose voice is being amplified? amplified? Um, and then how can I better serve this particular group? And how can I better serve my students so that they're understanding this new perspective? Um, and so it really, it just has to do with just making sure that marginalized voices are front and center when doing this work. And in order for that to happen, the resources need to be created by them. The books need to be written by them. Um, but again, I mean, it's not to say that there are not white authors that have created books, you know, written that have, you know, black and brown protagonists in it. There's um, Amazing Grace by Mary Hoffman. It's one of my favorite books. Um, but still... When I'm searching for texts that, you know, have a little black girl as the main character, 
I'm going to highlight and put in the forefront books that have been written by Black women. Yeah, I love that. Do you have resources on your website where we can find some of these authors? Yes. So when you join my mailing list, I send you a quick list um, that I created that have uh, books that were written by people of color featuring protagonists of color. Um, Also, when you join my mailing list, I um, have uh, newsletters that I send out once a month that I share, you know, various books with you as well that might, you know, speak to you for whatever you are teaching in the classroom or just even in your own home with your own children. Um, So, yeah, but I I definitely do have um, book lists available um, on the site too. Perfect. I will also link to your site so that people can get on your mailing list in the show notes. Let's wrap up about talking about um, how you can show through pictures Um, video and highlight authors um, of color in your classroom. Right. So there's a a post um, that I made, I guess, a couple of months ago. It said something like, um, don't shy away from teaching hard topics if you can't find a cute book. Um, And so (laughs) I I was just kind of thinking through, because I've kind of been hearing a lot of conversation and also like just people's comments. They can't find a book to to, teach on this topic, so they didn't want to do it. Or they found this book, but it, they didn't, it didn't really capture what the lesson was about, but they read it anyway. Um, I think it's important for us just to kind of create our own stuff. So it's something as simple as uh, you want to bring up about, you know, a black author, you read the author, you read the book by the author, and then you show your students the picture of the author. Or if you can't find a particular book, you find a picture of the author, and then you kind of start talking about what the author does and what the, art, what the author has created and how it relates to that particular um, lesson or, or, or unit that you're doing. Um, but it's just, it's really important for students to see the people behind um, the book, um, or the people behind whatever the resource that has been created. So that black and brown children can see themselves in that, right? They can see themselves potentially being that and doing that. Um, but then also, so white children can see and hear a different perspective as well. But yeah, to display the pictures, display their quotes. Um, there was one year when I was in the fourth grade classroom and I started... I want to say it was before Martin Luther King Jr. Day, but I just kind of started introducing the students to different uh, black and brown leaders, um, change makers, people who made an impact in our society. And I would put their picture up on the wall along with like little notes that the students have uh, taken about the particular person. But I didn't have a book about every single one of them. I just... Mm shared information that I had gathered online and kind of put it into a script. And I read that during morning meeting. Um, and then the students took notes and they pulled what they felt was like essential and important about that particular person. And that's what went up on the wall. So for the second half of the school year, they were surrounded by, you know, black and brown faces who did, you know, amazing work that many of them were inspired by and impacted by, um, and many of them saw themselves in as well, and some who didn't, but still they just were impacted and just, um, it just it was a wonderful, wonderful experience for all the students. I'm sitting here thinking as you're speaking about 
I think there's a lot of white teachers out there that want to move in this direction. They want to make sure they're doing the right thing. And I think there are white teachers that are scared. They Mm -hmm. they don't want to do it in the wrong way, or they don't want to say the wrong thing, or they don't want to make the misstep, you know? Mm -hmm. And and I understand that because I think mm-hmm. there was part of me that was like that as a teacher too. It was like, I just want to do this the right way. Even as a leader of E2E, you know, right. I, I want to do things in a respectful and in the quote unquote right way. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I like about what you're saying here today is that you're giving really practical ways to start stepping in the right direction. Exactly. And I think that these are really quite low offer. I mean, the, going through your cocktail <laughs> library, I mean, there's just... It, it could be just such a great exercise um, for you and to involve your kids. I mean, it's super practical and you can start slowly. It's not saying that you have to go spend thousands of dollars on books, but not maybe you yeah. put together a teacher's or a donor's choose project to mm-hmm. um, so that classroom library stuff, start going there, start kind of keeping track of what authors are in your libraries, what stories are being told. And then when you're going out looking for resources, really, looking at the author of the resources and see, is their perspective aligned with the resources that I'm buying? Exactly. Uh, Exactly. Is it authentic? And so I really appreciate this work that you're doing. I'm really appreciative that you're sharing such practical ways because I think it helps um, particularly white teachers, but I mean, it doesn't have, I mean, this could definitely apply. Tell me if I'm wrong to, um, a non-white teacher. Oh, absolutely. I feel like we all, can get it wrong. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but I think that, I mean, going back to what you said, we taking action, um, we just have to do it. It's going to be uncomfortable at times. It's going to be tough. Um, but it's we're doing it for the best interest of our students. So we have to just, if we make a mistake, we own up to the mistake. We let our students that maybe we said something that we shouldn't have said. We let our students know that something wasn't taught in the right way and that you want to now add a different perspective. I have, I've had to do that a couple of times. Um, but it's just, you know, take, make, making sure that you are held accountable, but then giving yourself grace as well as you're going through this. Because it is. It's hard, but necessary. Hard, but necessary. I think that's the perfect way to end this. Um, Thank you so much for sharing your talent and your experience with all of us. Tell everyone listening to this podcast where we can learn more about you. Tell us about where we can find all of your work and how we can connect with you. Absolutely. So you can find me on Instagram and on Facebook at Andrea T. Smith. And you can also visit my website, www.spithoney.com. And spit honey means to speak words that lovingly stick to a person's soul. Speak words that lovingly stick to a person's soul. Well, we are um, so blessed to have you. I hope that we will be collaborating again in the future, and I support all of your work. So everyone, please go check out spithoney.com. It's a beautiful website with a lot of great resources. So thank you so much for your time and talent today. Thank you for having me. This was a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here for today's very important episode. Make sure you are following us over on Instagram at educators to educators and also on our Facebook group, educators to educators. Until next time, my friends, keep on teaching on.